Welcome to Leeds Lit Fest 2020. The podcast you're about to hear was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Lit Fest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Lit Fest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk. You force right boy who walks night corridors, staring into dawn's approach, following the shadow of death's lilting bell, mad at the thorns ripped from the stems of black roses, defenseless because the white man's ego is a fragile paper boat sinking, you son of Jamaica will square up your 17-year-old chest as the black cloth covers your head, your last sound, the thud of guns. We're here in Potter Newton Park uh, with Malika Booker, yes. who is the first of our writer profile podcasts for Leeds Lit Fest. Hello, Malika. Hi, hi, Peter. Now, this place is quite familiar to you. We're going to be talking to you about place, in particular yeah. Chapel Town, this place that's really important to you, um, but also more broadly about what places have influenced you in your life and your writing. One of the one of the recollections I have is being having a commission and about world British West Indian soldiers in the First World War, and being stuck having reading tons and tons of history material, and being stuck in the house just stuck, and thinking I need to get out, and I didn't want to just go for a walk, so I came into the park and sprawled out on a on a blanket, and just it was summer, and I just kind of lay on the blanket and kind of um, started trying to write and 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 what's particularly poignant for me is that um, Melody who um, at that time worked for um, Phoenix Dance um, fundraising she passed through and we talked about what I was writing Um, and then David Hamilton um, happened to be walking through the park with um, historian black historian um, uh, Joe Williams Williams, with Joe Williams um, which was just like apt. So Joel Williams is um, is is a is a historian all about um, you know African um, and Black experience in the UK and particularly Chapeltown, Leeds. But to be working on a British West Indian soldier kind of um, commission, lying in the grass in the middle of Potter Newton Park, and the historian comes along with the two dancers and I'm thinking about the movement of the soldiers. Well, with one dancer and someone else who works in a dance company, it just seemed apt and we had a really brilliant conversation and then they left me alone and the first line started flowing. When you go to a place, do you, how does a place impact upon you? Is it mainly through what you see or through what you hear? Taste? Um, I'm, I'm very interested in... Um, always trying to settle within the Caribbean community. So I lived in Brixton for most of my life. Um, um, And before that, I lived in... I was born in Brixton, and then I went to Guyana um, and came back to Brixton. So I'm used to being in a place where there's a high percentage of African Caribbeans. Um, So the first thing I want to do when when I'm thinking of living in a place is find out if they sell my food. 
you know, I could go around the corner and buy plantain and dashin and, you know, and, um, and hear Caribbean accents and the carnival is just on the route outside my house and um, some Saturdays you smell jerk chicken, you know, through the door and, um, uh, but but Chapel Town is not only a Caribbean community. It's such a a diverse kind of um, place. You know, there there a there's Asian, there are Irish, there there are various other um, you know nationalities. But I think my first thing is usually people and food. I want to live. I I want to live in a place where I see representations of me all around. I was excited about moving here because um, I'd done a, a performance at Khadija's. Ibrahim's book launch at um, West Yorkshire Playhouse and um, that night we went out um, and Paulette Morris and this band were playing reggae in this basement and they invited me up sta on stage and I was dancing with them and there was this Caribbean music and there was this vibe there and they were just like we we, we were excited that you're coming here and so um, I was excited to kind of move, you know, it's a community filled with so much, there's historians just walking down the park or a dancer or, you know, a guitarist or I went to a party on Saturday night and he handed the mic to about 10 women in the audience and they just sang, they could sing. I mean, you know, I'm jealous of that because I can do poetry but I can't hold a tune. I was doing a commission in London where I was interviewing elders about the experiences of Windrush. And I think living in Chapel Town during the Windrush scandal was quite profound for me. Um, was quite a sad, a sad place. It was a sad place to be to see these representations of a lot of um, people in Chapel Town are getting older and they're the generation who came in the 50s and mostly in the 60s um, and then seeing all this happening as you're seeing as you're watching physically and maybe I think poetically like that but you're watching someone who's buying yam in front of you who is 70 or 80 or you and you're seeing people being put on planes at that age at that vulnerable age um, and there was something very profound in that Khadija is like my sister in poetry and my sister in heart. Um, Khadija Ibrahim. She is a she is a, a, a poet who who um, is, is is born and grew up in in, in Leeds and in Chapel Town, a, a Yorkshire lass. Um, and um, and her book actually showed me Chapel Town before I came. She gathered stories from the community and wrote about. And, and painted pictures. Her books are very much, very much narrative anecdotes or filmic kind of poetic vignettes about various things in Chapel Town and various people and characters and places. She's like the poetic folklorist um, um, of Chapel Town, and she's so she's a, a friend of mine. We wear <laughs> we wear a lot of jewelry. We're both addicted to jewelry. We're both quite flamboyant, and. Um, and we increase, and we are published by the same publisher, People Tree Press. When I came over, um, the thing that was the music that was resonating with me that seemed to be poetically kind of capturing what was happening in a city, Britain at the time, was this song "Police and Thief," you know, "Police and Thief," you know, it was like "Police and Thief in the streets fighting against," and 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 there in the streets were all this, were the police. You know, I came in the time of the sus laws when they would stop and search and this song just would resonate out of car windows and would resonate out of houses and was 
to me very very kind of poetic and captured what it was like to be a young black male in an inner city city at the time and actually it actually informed me in a way uh, this young girl of, of why the re why the rebellion you know why the I don't like saying riots but why that rebellion So, so that reminds me of um, Brick, of Brixton and, and, and London at that time and how ripe it was and how vibrant and how artistic and how how desolate and how people thought it was it was it was like criminal but it was just a I love Brixton it's a beautiful place I tell people I'm a Brixtonian I'm not a Londoner <laughs> you know um, so that's Brixton and then in with in terms of Grenada there's this Grenadian kind of social national tune um, and it's it's it, it goes Grenada may God bless you and every family party that you went to inevitably at some point in the night Grenada may God bless you would come on and we would all dance to it or we got to teenage years we'd all sit on the floor and go oh God um, and the other day we had a family party and we asked the DJ do you have Grenada may God bless you and we were laughing thinking do you remember when we just thought oh God not this sound and he didn't have it and we were like what kind of Grenadian DJ are you um, but he was a Trini DJ which he pointed out Do you feel like you're a loiner? <laughs> What's a loiner? Is it a Leeds? Is that a... Oh, is that the phrase? No, actually, I don't. I don't, actually. I feel like I'm in a Caribbean place. Um, I feel I don't have the history. But, but, but I do... But I love, I love the North. I love, I've never encountered that level of friendliness, you know. When I first came, for some reason, I'd walk home from the university to Chapel Town. And I'd get to the top of the road for the, well, I'd walk to the bus stop. And I'd get to the top of this particular road and I have no sense of direction. I'd always turn right when I meant to turn left. And then I'd be meandering thinking, I'm lost and start kind of turning around in a circle. And inevitably someone would say, you lost love. 
that I can't do a Yorkshire accent. That was terrible. That sounded like it was English wanting to be something. And I'd say yes, and they'd be like, where are you going? I'd be like, I'm trying to get the bus to Chapel Town. And they'd be like, oh, you need the two or the three, come. And they would like escort me like, you know, like a sheep, like a little lamb to the bus stop. And then I'd say, oh, what bus are you getting? They go, no, I was going that way. So they would, I could never, inevitably strangers would go out of their way to walk me all the way from, I'd always end up outside the central library for some reason in the turn. And they would walk me all the way back to turn. It was Clark Olsen was there and they would turn me there to get the bus. And I'd be like, what are these people like? Um, and so that was, that was, that was, that was my first ex impression of, 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 of Leeds. So home is a complicated question for me. Um, I was born in Britain and my mom and dad just were not, they, they'd been here since the 50s. And so when I was born in 1970, they just could not take, they didn't want to bring up a child in the racist environment that they were in. So they migrated to my dad's country, Guyana. My mom's from Grenada um, and we lived in Guyana. So and my brothers were born um, and then um, in 81, when they were separating, um, with discussions with my family, my, my mom decided to send me to England because I was born here, and then she would come later with the boys. But the Citizenship Act came in, um, and we didn't know how that would affect, we didn't know how that would affect the boys. So um, while we were waiting to kind of figure out that, um, she went to Grenada and got a job there and then she got a job in New York and went with the boys and then it was felt that it was to uproot me from school to go to um, from the Caribbean to England is a really easy transition but to uproot me again um, from secondary school to go to New York was quite an in, was quite a harsh thing so my homeland is really you know when I tell people I'm going home they actually go where because um, if my mom is in Grenada um, I'll go and visit my mom, I'll go to Grenada's home, Guyana's home, I'll visit my uncles in Trinidad, that's home. If my mom is in New York with, my boy, with the boys and my nieces and nephews, then it's Brooklyn, um, Brixton, and now kind of Chapel Town is becoming home. So, um, I'm, and that's why I say that I'm inside as well as outside, because in all these places, except in all these places I've kind of been removed from them and then kind of come back into them so I'm kind of living in them but I'm I've, I've not I'm not grounded in them you know so home is this this is this it's this move it, it, it's, it's kind of this diasporic kind of um, chow mein <laughs> You know, um, or, or maybe in Guyana you would say cook up rice or rice and peas. It's this mix of, of, of different flavors. Yeah. In terms of your writing, it's very rich in terms of the inflection of, of spoken spoken of speech. Mm. Uh, where do you think that comes from, Guyana or from from Chapel Town, Brixton, or is it a mixture of stuff? I think what what I what I've always been keen to do is to is to try and get the musicality. What I do notice is is what I I think from traveling around is that I I move from one musical rhythm to another in terms of language, right? So I would listen to the language and I would be like ah so and something I would do I would just be like ah so they say la 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 and go up or I, for some reason when people would, are talking there's a part of me that's almost musically scoring that Jamaican accent or that Guyanese accent or that, you know, I, I grew between Grenada, you know, my household when I 
when I went out in England outside the front door, they, they were like, you're in England. And when you came home and you shut the door, we were in Grenada. So, um, and I was, I'd grown up in Guyana, so I had a different kind of um, accent in a way. Um, but when we shut the door, it was completely almost like the house was in Grenada. So I, I, I think as a poet, I was interested in capturing that diasporic experience of even, you know, second generation or third generation British have it, where you're, you totally kind of, um, what do you call it when you have more than one language? Um, multilingual. Multilingual. But you're more, yeah, you're kind of bilingual, um, but it's in, it's, in, it's in two vernaculars of English. So I'm interested in vernacular and in capturing that vernacular and capturing it through rhythm and sound and speech, um, you know, so in the, so in the middle and, and the way that you would be, you know, kind of talking and you'd be like, oh God, girl, the, did you go to the place yesterday? I told you don't go there. Yes, but we did go. But, you to, but it's one person speaking and how you move effortlessly between these two, these two vernaculars. And so I think I try to capture that in my poetry. In this lovely paradise, paradise, you can watch the sun arise. Okay, so Malika, could you tell us about this place where we're standing now and what it means to you? Roscoe Methodist Church. Um, so, when I came to Leeds, I um, decided I wanted to go to go, you know, go to church. I think they say there's a certain time in life for the f females in our family when all of a sudden we go back, we, we, our rebellion stops and we start going back. So we're Catholic. So I'd go to the Catholic church, which is right next door actually, um, to Roscoe. Um, and I'd been going to the Catholic church for several months or almost a year. And I realized that I was like worshiping alone. I'd come in and I'd leave and I didn't, I wasn't, I would stay for the gatherings and stuff, but I felt that something wasn't happening, wasn't connecting. And for me, even though I need to feel kind of like an energy in the church or feel very friendly. So, um, so I decided to just, one Sunday I decided to just come to Roscoe Methodist Church. And also I was doing a project where I wanted to interview people from the community. So I, um, and someone had suggested, why don't you come into the church and speak? So I came into the church and spoke about the project and um, I was called to the pulpit. Um, and then the next week, I did Sunday, I decided to come back. Um, and I went, I walked in the door and everyone was like, oh, hi, you came back, how are you? And I thought, this is it. This is, this is the church that I will go to. Um, it's, it's very Caribbean, it's very warm, people are very friendly. And, um, and interestingly enough, that Sunday that I went back, there was a joint worship between the Catholic and the Roscoe Church. And so the, and then there was a meal kind of, you know, the, so all the people from the congregation, the Catholic Church. I felt that was very like, I don't know, like a sign. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and the churches are right next door to each other and a sign that it doesn't matter where you worship, just find somewhere that means, that feels um, family. Where are we now, Malika? We are in Maggie's Nail Salon. We're in the place where I get my nails done. Yeah. 
with Maggie, who is um, who is amazing. Apparently, you've got famous nails thanks to Maggie, yes, right? Yes, I do. I get stopped everywhere, everywhere. I'm in I'm in the airport in JFK. I'm you know I'm in Brixton. I'm in Carnival in Nothing Hill, and someone will be like, "Who did your nails?" She does my nails. I tell her my problems. I tell her my 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 dramas. I tell her my highs, my lows, and I come in and I'm terrible. I go to a I don't know what color, Maggie. Can you choose a color? And she says, what do you think about this? And then she, she matches it to my hair. And then she says, um, do you want this design? I say, do what you want, because you're an artist. And then she just hooks me up. <laughs> and I'm telling you, just sitting down, having someone take your nails and put color and just kind of like, it's like a, your nails become a page. And this person just paints this their own literature on your nails, really. And I'm always fascinated. I usually read while Maggie's doing it, and then I look down and it's transformed into something that's beautiful. So I like bracelets. I have a lot of jewelry on. I'm very kind of flamboyant. And the nails just, um, it just, it just helps the tools that I use to write be beautiful. And, and when I'm performing, it helps me um, just, you know, gesticulate and, and um, really wonderfully, and also it helps that I'm a performer and I go on stage with, and sometimes when I'm doing a special thing, I say to Maggie, I'm gonna go on stage and I want it to be, this is not flamboyant, this is Maggie ordinary. But yeah, and I say to Maggie, I want it to be seen from the stage and do something exciting. Um, and I, I, you know, a lot of my friends in London follow Maggie and wish they could live up here to come and get their nails done by her, but yeah, so um, she just hooks me up. Leeds Lit Fest second year so yeah how was it the first year for you? I think it's really important um, that a city like Leeds with all these universities um, you know and all these different communities um, have a festival and and have a festival where they start off thinking about it as diverse as reflecting kind of the communities that come out of it and working with different organizations like such as yourself such as people treat such as kind of like the rich kind of, um, you know, artistic talent that they have in, in, in Leeds in itself, yeah. Finally, we're, we're, it's been lovely to speak to you, Malika, by the way. It's been, we've had a fantastic afternoon. We, we as Chapel FM, because we're closing for six months, but we're refurbishing, going next door, um, we're, we're going yondering, which, and what we mean by that, if you look up yondering, it means wandering with yearning, mm. and which is a, a, a lovely phrase. And so, mm. we're, yeah, we're, we're not going too far, but we're going yonder. What's, what's, what's over yonder for you in terms of what you're going to be doing next or places you'd like to and maybe going to? I don't know. I think over yonder for me is, is is maybe it's always gone back to writing, isn't it? It's maybe branching out from the old poetry and playwriting. Maybe you know, kind of dipping into other other kind of literary kind of forms. Maybe attempting the novel, she says, or maybe you know, a memoir or. But um, yeah, that might be that might be a good thing in terms of a, of a war. In terms of geography, just leaving my doors open.
So I was here in the park and I was just trying to think about rhythm um, and I wanted to write into the, the, the poetry of World War One. There's, there's a large body of poetry and I wanted to write into that. So I chose um, Siegfried Sassoon um, and he has um, these lines, hark, thud, thud, quite soft, they never cease, those whispering guns. Oh Christ, I want to go out and screech at them to stop. I'm going crazy, I'm going stark, staring, mad because of the guns. And I choose a form called the um, golden shovel where you use the last, the last line of each line of the poem uses one line from that quote. So the first line will end hark, the next line would end thud. The bells, the bells, that night you heard bells hark, the lilt and tinkle of death's sweet approach. Thud, those heartbeats drum hard in your chest, in your cell. Thud, memories of feet bolting to outrun guns in your head. Thud, your mother's body will drop at the death news. Quite a thud on that wood floor, bawling your name soft, soft, you hum. Deo, Deo, daylight come and me want go home. They, the other black men, will hum too. Day, me say day, me say day, never halting, till fatigue kisses cheeks and one by one cease into dreams of deep-lined palms, gripping rifles as feet charge, those memories of dallying with June Anne behind wood door, house, whispering honeyed sweetness, till halted by cock crow, how guns Christ, how seven black roses fell in your trench that day, O oh, frostbite, crawling lice and marauding mice, O oh, ceaseless guns, Christ, you are a broken neck cockerel in a breathing body. I am troubled with my head, you said, in defense of your flight. You want hard rain on zinc roofs, or a chorus of crickets at dusk to halt the guns' booms that thud your body into a pendulum. Go flee with fleet foot and blind terror, then kneel to pant out at last and free from the dig, dig of shovels and heft of sandbags. And I cannot stand the sound of guns, you said in defense. Christ, the screech of shells, the pounding pounder lashes your ears till you crack at this slaughterhouse where seven black men armed with shovels, them young cocksure strutting men cut down, left to shrivel in that mud to slip on death's news, on death's noose, or lay sprawled out broken till guns stop. Junan's face dropped the night you said you were going to fight. I am troubled, she said. Her pleas were dormant seeds on dry soil, but you're going still, despite her frost and cut eye. That day fatigue halted the crazy pounding in your head, and during the hush, before you declared, I am prepared to die. A broken sentence, knowing you can't keep going on like this, and even death is a welcome friend in this stark hell, you force right boy, who walks night corridors, staring into dawn's approach, following the shadow of death's lilting bell, mad at the thorns ripped from the stems of black roses, defenseless because the white man's ego is a fragile paper boat sinking, you son of Jamaica will square up your 17-year-old chest as the black cloth covers your head. Your last sound, the thud of guns. Oh, thanks, Malika. So we're listening to Malika Booker out in Potter Newton Park. And uh, so, yeah, you had the first line of that poem here. Yeah. As you were lying yeah. on that day. Yeah. 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 Police and police in the street. 
The podcast you've just heard was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Litfest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Litfest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk. Thank you.